Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, uh, nice to be back. Missed a couple of shows, but that's what happens when you got a day job. Uh, first thing I want to do is uh, thank my last guest, uh, real down earth and uh, conscientious brother, uh, brother Dan Lee. Great conversation. Uh, it was my second time talking to Dan, and I hope to have him on again real soon. Uh, today, before I introduce today's guest, it's just one thing I want to go over. Uh, because I couldn't get through to the radio station, to, to my favorite radio stations last week and, and get my two cents in about a particular uh, interview that took place on my station, WVON AM 1690 Chicago, last week between uh, the radio station host, Perry Small, and Hermaine Hartman. And uh, while I don't want to get into character assassination here, I do want to say that I thought it was quite bizarre, and I was extremely disappointed by the demeanor and attitude in which the guest Hermine Hartman came on the show with, even to a point to where she had the uh, thought process to tell Perry Small to shut up, which I thought was really bizarre, and I thought the way Perry handled it was extremely professional. I was proud of Perry because I don't think I could have done it. And uh, as a matter of fact, the callers after that uh, and the next day uh, <laughs> pretty much said the same thing. The only thing that Perry was trying to find out is uh, why uh, was Hermine uh, 
supporting the Republican Party candidate, and she wasn't really getting too good at answers. And every time she asked a question, what the response seemed to be, well, is Quinn doing that? Well, is Quinn doing this? Well, you're supporting, supporting the other guy. Don't want to even say his name. And one of the reasons was that we need to do something different. Well, I don't think just jumping to the Republican Party is doing anything different. Matter of fact, I think it's doing things quite the same. I can see if there was a third party, a Green Party, Libertarian, something like that. That's doing something different. That's doing something different. But anyway, the main thing I wanted to say, because I was I was really taken aback and at the time really pissed off that, uh, you know, we always had this other side element about us that it seems like uh, was preventing us from just coming together to do anything. You know, you want to jump to a Republican and come to find out. I mean, it's getting paid big time. I think within two months you got like $51,000 from this guy. So, I mean, are you supporting him? Or are you selling out? What you doing? You know, we'll find out in due time, but I think a, a whole lot of credibility was lost there. Okay, anybody would like to call and chime in and uh, show your support? Uh, we can use support. I can use support. I don't know everything. I have my ideas, and uh, I, I'm really uh, strong and uh, Extreme with a few of them, and I really mean it. I'm, I'm, I'm open-minded to something better, but you got to bring something to me to have me consider uh, making a change in my thought process. But that's always a possibility, as long as you got something. So the number to call in is 718-664-9513. 718-664-9513. I encourage you to give us a call. Today's guest, and this is what I love about Facebook, because I've gotten... Uh, Man, now that I think about it, most of my uh, interviews have come from Facebook friends who I have uh, read their posts. I've gone to appreciate the things that they're saying and respect what they're saying. Uh, even if I don't agree with them, I respect the way they come about it. They present themselves, their delivery, uh, their responses. Uh, they can disagree without falling out and going into a seizure and having a problem. I appreciate that. I'm the same way. And this other brother is one whose post that I have read and I've gone to appreciate. He's a brother from Chicago, uh, representing James McCosh Elementary School, Dunbar High School, in addition to the University of Wisconsin, currently a uh, resident of Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, I want to bring on this young man, a very conscientious brother, down to earth, Brother Jesse Evans. Jesse, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on. Oh, I'm doing good. I appreciate it. appreciate it a lot. Not often I get to hear myself talk, so <laughs> it, should be, it should be a good thing. <laughs> I, I hear you, but you know what? With, with this, another thing I'll say: uh, what we, what I have here, this is not, as I was, you know, saying earlier, this is not a uh, two-chain can conversation. This, this is a conversation. It's not a ham radio station. It's not local. Uh, this show can be heard anywhere in the world, so long as you have an internet connection. Anywhere in the world, Africa, any continent, doesn't matter. You got internet. You can hear this show. So you, you're going out, brother. And not only that, when the show is done, it's not over with because you can always go back to Blog Talk Radio uh, forward slash Keith Bledsoe and pick up the archive. So if you miss it, you can always go back and hear it again. We'll do that. <laughs> okay. So, Brother Jesse, man, you know, we, we've talked and, uh, you know, I've read your post and, uh, man, we, we, we have problems here. Uh, and in Chicago and, and in the inner city, and, uh, you know, we've talked about, you know, some of our opinions and solutions to what those problems are. Now, you came up, uh, I, I had you, you, what was that, 50, uh, 60, 64th and Evans. 
Right, right. Uh, in, in the inner city. You were right there. You also t- did time over on 53rd and Halstead. Yeah. <laughs> come, 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 coming up, when I, when I say a dead time, I didn't quite mean it like that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, what did you, uh, uh, coming up in, in your youth, what, what, what was your childhood like coming up? Uh, did, did you feel the hood? Did you, was it just like everyday life to you? Did you feel anything indifferent as far as uh, your, your childhood? And if not, when, when did you notice, you know, something, something ain't right going on here? Well, actually, growing up, I didn't, I didn't really feel anything, you know. I kind of just went through the motions of just growing up, being in yeah. the inner city, being in Chicago. It never really dawned on me the uh, how how uh, dangerous or how bad it was until I actually left. And then I seen that it wasn't the same everywhere. So probably uh, my first year of college was when I first realized, like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, oh, really? Okay, that was pretty bad. But, I mean, growing up, you know, you live in a you live in a neighborhood. Usually, grow up with the same people in the neighborhood. You know, and it was, it was a little different than today, where it's like, you know, uh, gangs uh, compromise blocks instead of neighborhoods. So you grow up in a neighborhood, you're pretty much generally safe in the whole neighborhood. You know, so that that's I think is one big difference. So moving from uh, uh, from the Woodlawn area to City uh, Dirt and Halstead. I then I was a teenager, so it was pretty, it was, uh, you know, you didn't know people in the neighborhood. So then it got a little scarier, you know, <laughs> but you didn't know people in the neighborhood, so you didn't grow up with these people, they didn't know you, so, you know, uh, think, you know things got a, a lot more tense. Now, you are, you, you were, what, 36, 35? 36. 36. Uh, and you are a are you a fan of rap music and the hip hop and that particular the BET you know video culture where you you were part of that uh, as far as in, enjoying that is that what you were into coming up? Uh, coming up, I guess uh, I'm not sure. Uh, well, coming up, I did listen to rap, and even today I still listen to rap. I mean, I never really been like a BET viewer or anything like that as far as the TV shows, but as far as the uh, actual culture. Yeah, I, I still listen to rap. I still listen to a lot of hip-hop and things like that. But, uh, you know, I think one of the differences, like, now, you know, I'm an adult. So, so it's, right, it's hard right. for those things to actually influence uh, my thought process, you know, uh, versus, like, you know, when you're a child, you know, growing up. You know, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't think it's technically the hip-hop, but I think it's kids growing up without the guidance to differentiate what's right and wrong. So it is affecting them because because of the fact they don't have the guidance. But there's plenty of people who listen to the same music that, you know, don't don't go out sure. and disrespect people or harm other people or, you know, whatever. But I do think that's part of the probably part of the uh problem today. It's just the whole culture of the hip-hop culture, not necessarily rap or the music, but just the whole culture in general is part of the uh, issues we see today. Do you think that, uh, because I, I, I have a, you know, being a little older, you know, I have a totally different angle on, on the rap music. And, and you're right, it's definitely not all of them because you have some kids who can listen to that and it won't, won't seep through, they, they won't start living it. 
uh, trying to be part of it, trying to emulate it. They'll just enjoy the music, the rhymes, and perhaps the beat. But then you have the element within us who seems to be just hypnotized and poisoned uh, by the demeanor, the, the, the lyrics, uh, the fashion, uh, the immorality, the disrespect. And it's almost, to me, it's, it seems like it is a design, a tailor-made design by those uh, those music companies and in cahoots with the prison system, and that's getting even deeper, to do exactly what it's doing. I mean, what, what do you think about that? Do you, do, you, do you think that there is a undercurrent system out there that, that is uh, deliberately uh, putting this out to do what it has been doing? Hmm. I'm, not, I'm not really sure if there's like a, a design or, or something intentionally. I think it makes money, and, you know, and been in a capitalistic system, you know, anything that makes money is probably good for those who making the money and you know Lil Wayne or whoever Jay-Z those people sell so they're going to keep pushing it I don't exactly. think you know I'm not I'm not really sure that it's like set up to say okay we you know uh we're going to target you know um a particular group or these are the, you know or these are the people we want to kill each other you know I think it's more yeah. like they make money this sells we buy it so why stop? All right, hold, hold on, hold that thought because we'll get right back, right back on it because we do have a caller. We have a caller with a uh, last four digits of 5228. We'll bring him on, and uh, hopefully we can get a shared thought here. Caller, are you there? Caller, are you there? From 757 area code. Caller 757 dropped out. Perhaps they would just wanted to listen to the show. But I welcome that too. Okay, uh, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I, I, I just think, uh, and, and it's just the way that I think. I, I'm just so suspicious of when I see uh, things like Lil Wayne, uh, that type of crap winning like multiple Grammys. And I, I, to me, it's almost like it's just a form of legitim- legitimizing them to give them the think, free way to I think do what they're doing. Go ahead. I think one thing we have to understand is that, you know, as uh, generations change, then what what's going to be popular, what's going to be acceptable changes. You know, um, I mean, just because we might not feel that Lil Wayne is what hot today don't mean that's not what the younger culture feel, you know. Technically, when they're making, oh, I think when they're making rap, they're targeting the younger people. So, of course, we're not going to feel, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, absolutely. You know, it's like, it's like when I, when I used to listen to rap, you know, my mother, like, man, turn that garbage off. That is garbage music. You know, I thought, I, you know, we didn't, we didn't think that at the time. You know, and now, you know, our kids listen to it. We're like, man, what is that? <laughs> so I think, I think, part of it might be just a generational change. You know, um, um, Wayne can't sell itself. <laughs> you know, somebody well, got to be listening I, I, to it and buying I think it. A, 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 genera- a generational, a generational change that came at the. Imp- imposing hands of, I still say, a system that slowly deteriorated our music. We came up, I came up with with love songs, Motown, Stax, Capitol Records, Atlantic, uh, Philadelphia International, Solar, love songs. All of a sudden, 
it all changed, and then at the same time we get the violent video games, and I don't I don't know what what. Uh, you really it's definitely a different culture. It's definitely a different culture. No doubt about you know? it. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. They, and, and, they're, and they're working with that culture, too. And, and we've, we've lost out. We've lost our music. Uh, the, the radio stations, they, they, I think they're part of the system. I think the television shows are part of the system. Uh, when, you, when you watch these daytime television shows, these even these courtroom shows, come on, court, court ain't no joke. I, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> I don't appreciate that. You know, you, you know, they're sitting up here with all these judges, Mathis, all, all of them. I can't stand none of them because you, you're making uh, fun of something that's a, that's a serious thing. You, the court ain't like that. People, why, why put the camera in the real court? Let people see the real thing. Hey, wow. people like dumpster fires and car crashes. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's uh, what they like. <laughs> I mean, that's what sells. You know, everybody well, won't accept it. Everybody want to. I mean, that's, it's just what sells. So I think they're gonna keep feeding people what sells. Whether it's reality shows, you know, the first time a reality show hit, you know, everybody got a reality show now from Duck Dynasty to Basketball Wives. <laughs> and the thing is, you're sells. absolutely right. You're absolutely right when you say it sells, and that, and that's the sad part. The, the, the sad part is that it does sell. Is that people are watching it. They are getting the ratings. If they were not getting the ratings, it would not be on. But the people, I can tell by some of the conversations I see on Facebook, the people uh, can't wait to watch uh, some of these shows and more power to them. But uh, <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm just not feeling it, you know. But hey, who am I? I'm just one guy. It don't matter, <laughs> you know. I agree. I agree. Uh, I don't really watch reality shows. I mean, it's just, just not my thing. Which is, you know. But I know a lot of people that do watch them. So. Yeah, whatever whatever works for you. <laughs> I guess. Well, but yeah, I think yeah. I think the more important thing is uh, what are kids watching? I mean, adults are pretty much set in their mindset already. I think I think the more important thing is, you know, what what are the kids watching? That, like you say, turn them into this video game culture or things like that. <laughs> you know, that's and, and the thing is, the scary. kids. And the sad thing is, you know, I was debating with a guy a couple of days ago as far as, you know, I'm saying that I understand that it's the parents. I get it. You know, parents, you know, the parents need to do this and that. But at the same time, the kids are the parents. The parents are kids too. So you you can't just stop at that. Now what? I mean, what what do you have? You have the, the parent, you know, snatching a video game controller from the kid, you know, so he can play Grand Theft right. Auto. <laughs> and uh, so, 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 so it's a different. It's a whole different thing as to when I was a kid. You can, you can say it, it's the parents. It's, it's at home. Well, yes, it is. But still, you have kids raising kids, and sometimes the kids are even damn grandparents these days. So uh, very, very true. What do you think? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to change it up a little bit. President Obama, our first black president. <laughs> he, uh, well, go ahead with it. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I think it was. Well, one thing I have to say is, uh, I am glad, ecstatic that we voted in a black president. And I think uh, what the president represents is more important at this time to me than what he actually do in office because I don't really expect much change 
whether a Democrat or a Republican get in, but I think it was more important that the country actually voted in a black president. And he was the right president at the right time, and he was better than all the other competition. But, you know, uh, at the same time, I didn't really expect much change from, um, the, you know, the previous Democrat Republicans that got into office. So, you know, but I am glad that he got elected. Do you think that by him being elected, and by the way, I think he definitely has the right uh, in, want to do in his heart. Is it so much he would want to do, he just can't for obvious reasons. But do you think that uh, by him being in office and once he gets out, the fact that we didn't see too many black uh, folks being nominated to cabinets and so forth, perhaps for obvious reasons, but still the, the thing is when he gets out, the next president, who you know won't be black, uh, can always say, well, you know, you didn't say anything uh, when Obama was in. He didn't nominate anybody. Why are you talking to me now? You know, do you think that could be a uh, a problem in the long run for us? I don't think it'll be a problem. I think, well, I'm not a fan of uh, President Obama politics. He was probably definitely the right person at the right time. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think uh, you basically, in order, you know, in order to, this hump had to be getting, you know, we had to get over this hump of not having a black president. Now we we got over that hump. Now, you know, uh, the next person come in, you know, maybe they won't have as many challenges as President Obama. You know, maybe things will be a lot more smoother. Maybe relation, race relations will be even better 10, 20 a hundred years down the line when the next black person is elected. I mean, who knows? I mean, but, you know, it it had to be a first, and, you know, kudos to him for jumping out there and winning. But, you know, uh, I, I think the next person come in will, will be on their own merit, you know. I don't think they will have to be holding to what President Obama did, and I don't think the people will allow that as an excuse. Are you hoping for a uh, Hillary Clinton? Uh, no, <laughs> definitely not. I would like, like, uh, I, I would definitely like to see a woman president. Absolutely. Know? And I would like to see not her. Elizabeth. Yeah, not her. I mean, we already seen that show before. You know, <laughs> you know, and there's nothing changed. You know, she's she's gonna be toting the line. You know, generally, basically the same thing we've seen the last. 20 years. I do like Elizabeth Warren, so but she won't throw a name into the ring, and she says she won't run. But uh, I always vote third party, but she would probably be the one person that would convince me to vote Democrat. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I, I personally, I like Cynthia McKinney, man. Now, you know, that's not going to happen, but that don't mean I can't like it. <laughs> I, 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 like, yeah. I, like, I like, I like, I love Cynthia McKinney. She just really, she's on point. And uh, it's just the people who are always on point. Usually, the ones that are gonna, not going to have a chance, unfortunately. Right. But uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. Well, like I say, hopefully there is a woman. If it has to be a woman, the next one, then you know, Hillary, not going to be any worse than what we already have. <laughs> so, so it's not like it'll kill me. You know, I don't really expect much to change, um, no matter who become president. So. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll survive. <laughs> we'll survive. And that's the thing is, I, I tell people, you know, we, we survive slavery. We'll, we'll survive anything. We, we ain't going nowhere. You know, it's just, uh, you know, I guess a matter of inconvenience, convenience or whatever, you know, uh, fluctuations in the economy, jobs and so forth. And which jobs are the reason why we don't have none is because they're in India. I wish the doggone uh, politicians would just say so instead of putting their palms in the air saying, where are the jobs? They know where the jobs are. You know, they're... they're <laughs> They're overseas. That's where they are, period. But, uh, so... Uh, I think whoever becomes the next president will stick to status quo. You know, they might they might have a pet project or something, but for the most part, it'll all be the same. Mm-hmm. You know, unless we get a third-party candidate, which probably will happen uh, in my lifetime. <laughs> so, but... Hey, no, that would be so, so, hard, so hard to do. That would be hard to do. I mean, Ross Perot was actually on to something back in the day. He was on to something a little bit, and then he kind of messed it up. But uh, he he was the last one that I know of as far as, uh, you know. Well, I think, I was, was he third party? I can't, I yeah, he was third party. Yeah, okay. He, but, he, he was third party. Uh, but I think more importantly is not that they become president, but just that the uh, third parties can qualify for federal matching funds. And then right. at least their voice can be heard. You know, at least they could get into national debates. And even if not elected, they could bring up issues, and the people can actually hear the issues. You know, versus now, you know, when you get on stage, it's just a Democrat and Republican, so you don't hear any other views except the two that's given to you. And they do all they can to block anybody else from being up on that stage. And you know, they do a good mm-hmm. job and created a monopoly. But eventually the people will get fed up, and I have faith that, you know, they'll start listening to third parties. And with the invent, you know, with the invention of social media and things like that, it's easier for candidates to reach out, you know. Yeah. And yeah. What do you think, uh, listen, black leadership, is, is there such a thing? Uh, who, who, do you, is there anyone who you consider to be? Uh, as far as black leadership is concerned, or who is there anybody who inspires you out there, or who you not look up to, but who you can really listen to and appreciate where they're coming from, and and, and let it marinate within yourself? Well, I guess I kind of put like a ban on black leadership once I got eighteen or whatever. You know, I always felt that you know um, when people are put into positions like that, then they tend to take advantage of the situation and they just don't end up working out. I mean, if, you know, the the people that are given to us now is Sharpton, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, and, you know, uh, <laughs> it, it is what it is. But I think, like I say, I think, you know, we, you know, we need to just, uh, I think we need to uh, just get away from the black leadership, you know, um, syndrome and, you know, just start, just start thinking for yourselves, you know, thinking, you know, make make decisions that's in the best interest of you, your family, and your community because, you know, no, basically different communities have different needs and wants. So I think Not it's kind of hard that. to have like a, like a one voice representing all different, you know, uh, all different black people when, you know, we no, you know, I think after the civil rights era, we became, you know, we're no longer like one thought, one mind, monolithic people. You know, we we're all over the board. Whether it's 
Democrats, Independents, Republicans, lower, you know, uh, lower income, upper income, middle income. I mean, it's all across the board, you know, whether it's urban, you know, uh, urban areas or suburban, you know, country, you know, whether it's Florida, Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota. It, it's just different, you know, people have different needs. So it's hard to, you know, um, speak with one voice, and I think that's, Part of the bigger issue is that everybody feel like, you know, we, we, we want to still be a monolithic people in time of need, but we're, we're just not. You know, it's just you, you face different issues than I face, and people in Chicago face different issues than people in Minnesota. It's just, just, it's just impossible to try to do everything as one group. Man, I totally disagree. <laughs> I totally disagree. I, I do. I do hear what you're saying as far as uh, not being monolithic and uh, not relying on one voice and so forth. I, I do believe that people should make up their own minds. But uh, and I do agree that uh, Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, who is who they put forth to us, and all due respect to them, I, I believe they done done some good things. I don't. I don't have a problem with either one of them. You know, they can only do so much anyway. But the, the, the black leaders, and there is some black leadership out there, but you won't see them on television uh, purposely. We're we talking about the system again. You have to dig and uh, go into YouTube and go into Google and, and find this information yourself. Uh, I, I think a black, great black leader, Minister Louis Farrakhan, uh, Dr. Francis Chris Welsing, Dr. Claude Anderson, Neely Fuller, Dr. Umar Johnson, Professor Griff, Cynthia McKinney, who we talked about before, are all great leaders, and they're saying all the right things, but people just don't seem to, I don't know what it is about uh, black people in particular, but they don't seem to want to listen to good for them. Uh, yeah, but, but do you think Farrakhan represents blacks outside of Chicago? I think Farrakhan, uh, well, Farrakhan, oh, Farrakhan represents blacks all, all over the world. I mean, as far as, when you say represent, I, I think he influences, and I think he has the ear and the attention of black people all over the world. Uh, representation, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not sure, you know, you know, I, I appreciate the things that he says, and I, I, I definitely appreciate uh, how he comes down on us for the things that we are doing and are not doing. Uh, he, he, he puts it to us with love, uh, how we are really, in too many cases, not doing the right thing. Dr. Claude Anderson, the same way. He said we need to we need businesses. We we have no community. There's not one black community in the United States. We don't we have nothing but neighborhoods. We don't own anything. Nothing. You know, uh Dr. Francis Cress Watson talks about the uh the racist supremacist system. So nearly full of Umar Johnson talks about uh the the, the kids, you know, he's a ch child psychiatrist, uh world renowned. Professor Griff talks about the Illuminati and the, the system within the, the the music world. So, it, so there, there's a uh, there's a lot out there to be listened to from from really really deep and uh, you know le legitimate caring people, but you won't you won't get it unless you go out and try to find it. So, well, I, understand, uh, I mean, I understand they have voices and they speak up on different issues, yeah. but I guess my question is, I mean, who are the elite? I mean, what? I, what very what? few people are probably following them. Or well, that's, 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 that's unfortunate. That's my whole point. You, you're absolutely right. 
you're right. They they have a following, but nothing like not, nothing like they should. And uh, you, you're right. They don't they don't have the, they don't have the following that they should have. That that's that's exactly what I'm saying. But, but could it be that they only represent a segment of the black population, whether it's Farrakhan, who outside of outside of the nation of Islam or people who uh, believe in you know what what he's saying. I mean, there's a lot of black people that don't listen to Farrakhan or don't oh, absolutely recognize him. Absolutely. So it's kind of hard for them to you know to be the leaders of a, such a fragmented group. I mean, it's it's not. I mean, or a non you know a non-monolithic group, it's kind of hard to have one person that represents such a widespread of opinions and No, I'm not. And people. I'm, I'm, oh, absolutely. I'm not even talking about t- taking it that way. I'm, I'm, take, I'm talking about getting information from multiple people, getting information from multiple people, not just, not just any one person. I don't mean any of these people I just mentioned to be any one person. I, I meant for them all to be a combination. And those are just a few names. There, there are many others, but right. just a few names. And, and then, but, right. but, but, but my, my whole point is listen and pay attention with an open mind, with an open, realistic mind, and, you know, just pay attention and, and think because too many people, it's obvious by some of the things that they say and some of the things that I read that they're not really thinking. They're just kind of following the leader, and, and, and this, this is leading us right into religion, okay? <laughs> See? Yeah. Uh, I think one thing I think one thing that'll help uh, communities in general is if if the numbers of churches in the community was condensed to one church. I, I don't know why any one community needs more than one church, you know, and that will help pool the resources and you know it'll it'll, it'll give more. I think it'll give any community more of a voice and a representation of their of the whole community, you know. So I think that's another problem that we have is that there's just too many churches in the community. And none of them really have enough power to influence what goes on in the community. I'm sure there's a, people could give a couple examples, but I'm talking about, like, small churches that, you know, have only so many members. You know, I think it will be more effective if they just had just one church, you know, one one church, and if you're not doing good for the community, then it's no reason to be to even be a church in that area. So mm-hmm. I think uh, definitely, you know, everything is divided. You know, I guess it goes along the lines of divide and conquer. You know, uh, let's. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a quick break because I do want to. Uh, I'm a. I got to play a little old school cut shortcut. Then I'm going to come back, and I, I promise I'll talk about a couple of the uh, great things that are going on in Chicago. And then I'm going to get right back on this subject of the church because we both got some things to say on that. So uh, hang, you're going to hang with me, and I'll be right back. Yep. Don't, all right. <laughs> all right. Thank you. 
Okay, and we are back. And before I, we, we get back with uh, guest uh, Jesse Evans, I want to say something about uh, a foundation, uh, a support group for cancer survivors that I think that everyone should know about. If you have been uh, diagnosed with cancer, if you know someone who has and who needs some love and support and just some type of guidance uh, uh, within uh, their life, I would highly recommend the Tasha C. Joyner Foundation. Tasha is spelled uniquely, T-A-T-I-S-A. The Tasha C. Joyner Foundation, founded in 2008 by Tasha and Charles Joyner. Tasha is from uh, Pine Hill, Alabama, Auburn University. And uh, it is a, uh, a tremendous support group for cancer survivors. The things that Tasha Joyner and her group are doing are incredible. And I would recommend you to go to www.ctjoinerfoundation, ctjoiner, c-t-j-o-i-n-e-r, foundation.org, .org. And uh, check out Tasha Joiner's uh, organization and listen to some of the testimonials. Uh, she... Uh, there's a photo gallery there. There's a listing of events, uh, fundraiser information, uh, some of the services that uh, Tasha Joyner and her foundations offer are health education, uh, professional counseling, personal assistant for health navigation, uh, medical assistance, healthy eating with a personal chef, uh, wigs and stylists, bras fitted with personal service, family support services, uh, suited car to and from medical facilities, uh, weekend retreat house, uh, pillow talk, uh, pink pillow talk retreats, which is when the when the when the uh, ladies get together and uh, they, they get together and and do what they do. It's a beautiful, beautiful organization. I would suggest you check out ctjoinerfoundation.org. I would suggest you press that donate button. Uh, they need your love, they need your support, and she has earned it. Okay. Uh, by the way, let me leave you with the phone number. If you'd like to call, you can call Tasha at 773-326-2300. 773-236-2300. I'm sorry, 773-326-2300. 773-326-2300. That's for Tasha Joyner, Foundation for the Cancer Survivors. Okay, uh, Brother Jesse, you still with me? Yes. Okay, uh, we were talking about religion in the church, and uh, you were saying that there really should only, there definitely, there definitely should, shouldn't be as many as there are. And my, my my problem is not so many. Well, yes, there are too many, and at the same time, there's no unity among them. None. None. Uh, so I'm wondering how do they expect the people to come together when the churches can't even come together? That's a good point. Very good point. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I, my, my theory, this is one thing I was thinking about not long ago. If, if These Dunkin' Donuts, if everything in our neighborhood is owned by somebody else. I'd like to see the church, first you, they can do, open up a donut shop such as a Dunkin' Donuts and get that Dunkin' Donuts out of the neighborhood. Open up your own. 
then you can get, we, we don't own a liquor store, we don't own a corner store, we don't open up a coffee shop and get rid of Starbucks. The, the churches can't come together and do that in the neighborhood. Well, I'm not sure that I want the churches uh, all this stuff in the community. You know, I mean, I, I guess they're supposed to be there for, like, spiritual guidance or... Oh, they should I'm, be there I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure the churches should start getting a monopoly with <laughs> businesses in, uh, in, in the community. You know, uh, I really, you know, since I've been an adult, I really haven't had a fine... Uh, you know, I haven't really been fond of churches. I mean, I know they're necessary. I know they need it, you know, and they um, they do well, you know, for some people, you know, or they benefit some people. But I'm not sure I, I want the churches to start buying up <laughs> businesses. Maybe they can well, help other people get businesses, or maybe they can well, help everyday people get businesses. Well, that, that's just an example of something that can something that can be done. So the, the, it seems like with all these churches, they should be able to come together and do something, but it's not going to happen because everybody has, each church has their own treasury, their own stash of money. Exactly. And so that's 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 the separation right there, that money. You know, but there's I, definitely I a lot of money there. Oh, no yeah, doubt about it. There's definitely a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of money in the, uh, there's plenty of money in the churches. But, you know... Once, they go in, a, uh, once the money uh, go in, I don't know how much comes <laughs> comes back out to the community. Yeah, well, I, I, well, somebody's driving a nice car, living in a nice house. Somebody's anyway. I, I can, I can, you can go anywhere you want to within that under that <laughs> right. roof. Right. But there was a uh, a brother I was listening to a radio show. I think it was last week, brother Mays Jackson. I actually interviewed him on the show once. Real, real good brother. He has, actually has his own talk show also, and he posed a question that I kind of was going to just put back out there. And as far as are the uh, are the pastors the, uh, the moral should, should the pastors be the moral, moral authorities authority in the neighborhoods? And he got a firestorm, man. They all you talking about religion is always going to get a lot of responses. I tell you, you you can you can go there, man. You know you're going to get some response, and he did. Do you do you believe that the pastors of the churches should be the moral authority in the neighborhood? I I, I do I do not, but I mean that's only because I'm you know I'm not really religious and I really don't follow a particular faith. But you know I I think they could represent uh, what's good in the neighborhood if if the people in that community believe in that person. You know I guess they just as good as. Uh, Anyone else? I, I guess I don't really real uh, understand why the polit—you know—why people don't hold their politicians accountable more. You know, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's who can really represent the neighborhood. That's who have the influence. That's who has the power. Everybody voted them in. You know, why not hold them accountable? I mean, I think back, but you know, I think back to uh, like Jesse Jackson when he ran. You know, after being in a hospital and missing like eight months and being diagnosed with bipolar and being under investigation and still winning with like 90% of the vote. I mean, I think. Yeah, yeah. Politicians really should be the people held accountable for the community, you know, but I don't understand how you can live in a, a community that you don't like or a bad community and still vote the same person in. For 20 years or 25 years, I just, 
just, that just baffles me. So I well, guess anybody... you know, I guess the church is. Yeah, you know, I guess the church is as good as anybody, but no, I I I personally wouldn't vote for the a pastor or a religious person being the uh, moral fiber of the community. Well, speaking of the politicians, man, I tell you, whoever, whichever them, I, well, you, you, Chicago's a whole other element, man. I, I, all all fifty of them, all of them, as far as I'm concerned, unless somebody knows better than I do, they can get rid of all of them. Especially those who voted for them speed light cameras and red light, them red lights and all that, them, the parking meters and all that. Crap! It, it's, it's it's incredible. It's incredible with the politicians. It's, it's, it's the Chicago politics is something else, man. They all are yes men for the mayor. It, it appears to be. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's the way I see it. Well, Rom Rom came uh, and daily. I mean, they carry a lot of weight. Yeah, you know, the Chicago <laughs> mayor come uh, swinging a heavy a heavy bat. So, yeah, they, they carry weight. There might not I mean, even be a. Sad. The sad thing is they, they ought to been carrying no weight, and don't, they don't most of them, and, and uh, don't even put any effort to carry weight. They just go along to go along, and uh, you know, get whatever they get out of. Well, it. I don't know. Well, welcome to politics, I guess. Yeah, I, 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 I just don't understand how we keep voting for the same thing over and over, and and not just Chicago. I mean. All, sure. all over the all, all over the country, you know, we just keep voting for the same thing over and over, expecting different results. I, I just don't understand. So, man, they uh, looks like uh, I heard something. What's this? Uh, what's this? What's it called? A four twenty or something went on this weekend. I guess they got a big weed thing going on now. They got weed is legal, and uh, but the looks like the you know the black folks are still in prison for it. I mean, what, what you, I'm, I'm thinking that any nonviolent person who is in prison, especially in those states who legalize marijuana, uh, if they're nonviolent and in prison for selling marijuana, I think they should be released. I mean, do you, does that make sense to you? I agree. Uh, I, I heard, I mean, I'm, I'm not too uh, sure how far it was going to go, but I heard it was going to be a lot of pardons um, with cases like that. But I'm not really sure uh, how 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 true that is. But people expect a lot of pardons to be handed down, and you know I feel like that not only with marijuana, but any any drug or nonviolent offender should not be put in a same system with violent offenders. So absolutely, you know, uh, absolutely. So uh, yeah, I hope. Uh, and it looks like. Uh, President Obama is going to relax some of the uh, rules on pardons, or you know, to uh, to make some of that happen. So I think, in that sense, you know, it'll it'll be a good thing for the people who uh, spent a lot of time in jail for nonviolent offenses. I, hope, I really hope he does that, man. I'm, I'm think I'm thinking he's going to do that, uh, just like all the other presidents do when it comes down to that, uh, you know, the to the end. I'm, I'm really hoping he does that. Man. Well, he'll have what? a lot of uh, he'll have a lot of papers to sign. He's gonna need a long ass piece of paper because <laughs> <laughs> he'll be signing a lot, a lot yeah. of these. There's a lot of the violent offenders in there for it's for a lot of times that otherwise, you know, like I said, you know, I think we wouldn't have to build more prisons if we didn't stack up the uh, nonviolent offenders, but we know. Well, uh, Privatization. That's they, that's that's what they uh they built them to throw people in there, so they're gonna do all they can to, to keep them full. You know that that's, well, that's a shame. 
That's a shame. What, what really, tell, tell me, what, what pet peeve do you have? What really kind of just gets up under your skin and just, you know, make you like, you know, uh, just pisses you off, in other words, I guess. That's the best way I could say it. What, what's going on out here that really just kind of gets up under your skin, man? Well, I think, I think uh, probably the biggest thing that dri- uh, drives me crazy and I think is a, you know, that kind of trickle down to everything else is just people just not informing themselves on what's going on in the country, city, or state they live in. You know, it's just, you know, it because I think if we, uh, if the people really paid attention and the people really voted knowledgeably, I, I think the whole country would be better. Yeah, of course, you know, the people who, who have the most money can wield the most influence, but that's only because, you know, the people who go to the polls or don't go to the polls are not paying attention, you know. So, I mean, regardless of how much money Sam Walton put into the election, he still only got one vote, you know. And last time I checked, you know, 80% of the people were, like, still poor versus the top 20% that own, like, all of the wealth in the country or a majority of it, you know. And if 80% of the people voted informally, then we wouldn't have, like, all these, you know, like, uh, we wouldn't have all these people in office that don't have the best interests of the people in, in mind when they take office. And mm-hmm. I think that, and I think that, you know, not just one side of the aisle, I think both sides of the aisle, you know, you, you look and you see people who just sell out to the highest bidder. And we could, you know, we could complain about it, but we can't fix it unless we get, like, all hands on deck and people really start to take interest and be informed in a, you know, in a political process. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to the, uh, we, we were talking about the, uh, the the neighborhoods and we were kind of touching based on the, the kids and the upbringing and everything. Now, your, your kids are, uh, do they have a band in their school? A band? Do, do they have band class? Band class? Yes. Yes. They yes. do. Okay. That, I think I think that's one of the uh, one one peeve I have with the school systems that I'd like to see is them put in there sensitivity uh, training, uh, anger management, conflict resolution. Uh, they 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 can set that trig trigonometry back there, geometry. Uh, make they split physical education with some mental education, and put the bands back in the school. Uh, it's like these kids have become. Not, when I say these kids, of course not all of them, but too many of them have become so desensitized by what's going on out here in in, in home and in the system. And uh, I'm talking about in kindergarten sensitivity training, anger management, conflict resolution, teaching them to understand that when they do play these games. Uh, that it's not real type of thing. This 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 stuff that this basic something you know. Don't try not to get their minds locked up into that. What do you, what do you think about that type of uh, curriculum in the school system? Well, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I would think uh, anything that uh, you know anything that helps is probably a good thing. You know, sensitivity training would probably be a good thing. You know, I never really thought about it, but I don't see any reason why. 
they can't, you know, and then, and, but, but these are, and this is, this is why we have so many issues in today's society is that these are things that the kids should be learning at home. I mean, they, they, they don't, and they're not, and I was, right. it's probably not even majority of the kids, but there's enough of them that's not, that's impacted everybody else. That's where we get. That, that's where I get really cloudy because you're right. They should be learning that at home, and then, like you said, but they're not. So it's like, damn, you know, they should be, but they're not. So, man, what? So, what do we do? You know, that's 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 where we're kind of kind of at. You know, that's where I was saying as far as the, catch them as they get into school and try to try to put something in their heads there at a young age as far as anger management. But the, the thing we might run into is that, you know, uh, you're on Facebook. You see some of the videos posted by proud parents and their kids cursing them out or, yeah. you know, yeah. sagging or beating, beating up the neighbor or whatever, you know. So I'm not sure how much – I mean, it will definitely help, but I'm not sure what that would do for the kids that still got to go home and be around destructive parents. We, we got it. You know. We got it. We got to try something. We got to try, try something. something. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be against it, but I mean, looking at the situation in reality, you know, maybe the parents need yeah. to be forced to go to class. You know, forced to take sensitivity I, or how to raise a child or, you know, I mean, I, I just I, I hear you. Yeah, it's, hear it's you. just it's. I don't even know what to say. It kind of like most of the time it leaves me speechless and just dumbfounded that, you know, that things has gotten so out of control, you know, think, so far get, from what is good. We get so dumbfounded to a point where it kind of makes you uh, hedge on wondering, damn, is there any hope? And you never want to say there's no hope. And I, I got to admit, no I'm one that lost hope. So, I, I mean, I... I, you know, and I tell people that all the time, and you know, they they don't like it. But I mean, just being a realist, it's it's hard not to lose hope. It's hard not to lose hope. You can try to pretend to keep hope, but I mean, in reality, when you look at it, I mean, looking at the Chicago situation, six kids got killed. I mean, shot under the age of fifteen. I mean, what what are we hoping for? That four get shot next Sunday? I mean, you really. when you really break it down and look at it on a, realistically, then, then yeah, I, I, I can definitely understand. I, I just tried not to go there, but I have no, you know, you can't help but to wonder. Like you said, every time you read the damn paper on the weekend, you, 35 shootings on a week, come on, man. And it's going to get worse before, it ain't started getting hot yet. Nope. And, you know, yeah. from you know, from the mayor to the police chief to the FBI to the president. I mean, I know people want to blame, like, everybody else or want, every, you know, people to help, but what what do you do, you know, outside of Desert Storm? You know what I mean? Those neighborhoods, it's really, it's, you know, people can't really react to crime until after it happens. It's very hard to yeah, really... Yeah. You and, know. and there's no one thing, and there's no one thing. There's so many things that need to be done. There, there is no one solution, and that's another thing. There's there, there's so many different things that need to happen, man. And yeah, and we I, and we need like all hands on deck, all 
ideas open, all cards on the table. You need you need to come from so many different angles. But the thing is, is that you know, it's it's where do you start? You know. Well, I, I I tell you what I tell you what I, I would suggest most people start get get yours get yours exactly that's where you start. <laughs> that's exactly you know I mean? where you start, but we know because a lot of I, people are not going to take responsibility for their own. Exactly. You know, so so I'm, 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 I'm a good man. I'm going to try to, you know, you know, pull people's coat and advise and tell them the best to my knowledge and leave myself open to be, you know, uh, taught some, learn some things too. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to get mine, though, you know, and I would suggest anybody, you know, you if, if everybody gets theirs, that's a start right there. Exactly, exactly. Instead of, instead of waiting on somebody else, you know, to do it for you. That's basically all we can do. And like I say, you know, if you know, if we we need the parents to be to be parents. You know, uh I hear a lot of people say like parents can't be friends. You can be friends. You still have to be a parent. That's just the most important thing. You have to be a parent and you have to mold your kid into how you want them to be. You know, at least save the rest of society <laughs> from having to yeah. deal with your kids. That's the one thing you owe society. Make sure your kids don't become a problem for everybody else. Yeah. You know, and yeah. if you do that, then, you know, kudos to you. You know, and I, I just think everything starts with the parent. You know, whether and, and there's a lot of reasons for what's happening in Chicago, probably education, you know, poverty, you know, uh, uh, jobs, all all of that factor in. But the one thing no one can make you do is like not be a good parent. <laughs> That's the one I, thing I, I, I can, that you I have the responsibility that you can control yourself. I and, cannot argue with that. Yep. You know, that's one thing we all have under our control, regardless of anything. A lot of a lot of us grew up without having anything. A lot of us grew up with being poor or being in the same poverty situation. A lot of us grew up like that. But, yeah, didn't you know, start. you right. also have people that, you know, come into your life, whether it's parents, whether it's teachers, whether it's whoever, you know, people in the community to help you out or to, to mold you. And, you know, maybe that's that, you know, the, we kind of lost the sense of the village maybe. I, I'm not sure. But it's kind of hard to be a village when, you know, you're scared to say something to someone else's kid because you know that, you know, their their parents are gonna yeah. like blow a gasket because you said something. To well, them. that village thing is that village thing is over, man. As far as I know about, it. I, I don't know. You yeah, know, it's over. That that, it's if over. that ain't happening. You know, you 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 know, somebody you say something to somebody else's kid, and and they ready to show up in front of their kid and and really set a good ass example for their kid about being a doggone fool. You know, so right. uh, it, it's. All I can do is, uh, you know, hope for the best. I keep trying to say what I say and put out on Facebook what I put out. And at the same time, I'm getting mine. I'm going to make damn sure I get mine, you know, if, if, if I don't do anything else. And uh, hopefully, you know, I can say something that can convince people to wake up and, you know, go on and get theirs too and, you know, stop being misled by, you know, fairy tales, you know, for the, that's the way, you know, for I'm concerned. But... Wow, it's uh, man, there's so many 
we'll have to do a part two one day, man, if you don't mind. <laughs> so, I, I, got, I had so many notes, and I kind of didn't get to, I'm not going to get to a lot of stuff I have here, but that's okay. That, that, make, that means we, maybe we can do another, another show here. Uh, one right, more, right. I'm going to ask you something else. What, what did, did you, because a lot of my interviews, I talk about some of the same things. The difference is you. I'm talking to a different person, and that's what I like about it. You know, I get different perspectives, of, you know, instead of just changing everything for every interview. I like to get, like, a, you know, different ideas on some of the same things. Let me ask you this. Did you, did you see 12 Years a Slave? No, I did not see that. You didn't see it. Intentionally, you did not, you chose not to see it, or you just haven't gotten around to seeing it? Uh, I'll probably watch it. I just didn't, just didn't okay. have an interest, okay. you know. I was just curious, because I, I, I didn't care to see it, you know. I had no, then I went ahead and watched it, and, I just wasn't feeling it. I just, I just, you know, maybe we'll 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 let you maybe get a chance to see it. Then we'll we'll talk about it. I'm, you know, we'll, you know. Yes, since since uh, Roots, I guess I haven't been to it. You know, <laughs> which was a classic. I haven't really, yeah. you know, just <laughs> haven't really done anything for me. I guess. Uh, but I, I would have I a told, problem watching it. You know, it took me a while to watch uh, Django, and then eventually I watched it. It, it was cool. I watched it because it won the Academy Award. I wanted to see. Uh, maybe I was wrong, uh, wondering how, how, but I, I was right, still wondering how. But you know, both power to him. I mean, you know, it's all good. I mean, I, but I, I, anyway, we'll talk. Uh, we don't need to go into that. You know. Yeah, it, it is entertainment, so I kind of just take it as that. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me before I get to close the statement, brother. Let me. I, I want to say uh, something about the other little, the great thing going on in Chicago. And uh, it is, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the House of Bing on the south side of Chicago. It is a uh, it is a restaurant jazz club, transformed into a jazz club by a brother who I went to high school with, uh, Brother Joe Stroder. Uh, and he is doing a great job there. I would tell anybody on Friday nights, Chicago, the House of Bing. Featuring Mo Better Jazz, produced by founder and CEO Joe Stroder, with the help of Darius Lawrence, who I have been leaving out. I got to give Darius Lawrence his kudos also. They're doing a masterful job uh, with Mo Better Jazz every Friday night, 6930 South Shore Drive, 730. Uh, free parking. It's only $10 to get in. Uh, great group of people, world class jazz. It is an old-school element, and I'm telling you, uh, any time I'm in town on a Friday, uh, I'm there. I'm there. Matter of fact, uh, next month he's going to start adding Saturdays, so you're going to have Friday and Saturday to experience uh, more better jazz at the House of Bing, 6930 South Shore Drive. Like I say, free parking, great food, great drinks, great people. Uh, if you go there, make sure you... Uh, Single out brother Joe Stroder, Darius Lawrence, show him some love. Uh, let them know what you feel about as soon as you walk in there. Uh, you're gonna, you're just gonna feel the love, and you're gonna just love the music and the, the entertainment. It's just incredible. You don't have to go downtown and spend more on parking than you do to get in to the House of Bing for more better jazz. So uh, show brother Joe Stroder some love. Show brother Darius Lawrence some love. Get on down to the House of Bang for Mo Better Jazz. You will be ecstatic that you did. Brother Jesse, 
what we want to close them out yeah. with, man. Uh, any closing statement you want to put out there for the people? Well, I guess the one thing, uh, you know, even though I live in Wisconsin, you know, um, you know, uh, I still consider Chicago uh, my uh, heart and soul. <laughs> so, you know, I just, I just want to wish, you know, I just, I just hope that situation with uh, all the violence gets solved in Chicago, you know, Absolutely. and by any means necessary, you know. Um, I understand, you know, there might be, you know, we we have to think about the innocent kids more I, I don't think we think about enough about the innocent kids when you know it's just it's every 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 time I read the paper it just uh, breaks my heart so uh that's the one thing that you know I hope get resolved quickly and I don't care if it's by the city the state the federal government the UN whoever whatever it takes whatever it takes man whatever it takes yes I, 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 I totally agree. I, I, I second that, man. It's, it's uh, that's where it is now. You know, whatever it takes to stop it. Okay, man. I, 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 I want to thank you again. Honored to have you on. Uh, hope, hope you come back again, and we can go over some of the other little notes that I have here. And I'm sure as, as things transpire, there'll just be more new stuff developing. Until the next time. Well, one thing I like to say is uh, I like to thank all like all all my Facebook friends who put up with me, you know, my uh, hair strong group who <laughs> tolerate me and things like that, you know. Uh, so I, I just want to uh, give props out to uh, all the all the little uh, groups in uh, Facebook that <laughs> tolerate tolerate tol- tolerate my style. So I appreciate that. Well, I, I appreciate your style, but that's I, why I wanted to have you on. I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> it was fun. Absolutely. It was fun. I was a little nervous, but uh, I started to get a little warmed up. So <laughs> it's cool. I everything, appreciate it. Everything is cool. Everything is cool, my brother. On that note, I'll just uh, uh, close out, as I always do, by saying, uh, in the name of whomever or whatever, your spiritual power.
Together. Got me together. 